0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's thrivecosmetics. C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. We're goofy. We broke a lot of rules of filmmaking to just be quirky because that's how our radio show was. But there's a lot of curveballs in the film that people won't anticipate whatsoever. So we can't wait for everyone to see it worldwide
1: boom
2: what's up rebels back again that was cassie with her favorite quote from this week's interview this is this is a special one i don't want to hype it up too much because as you know we're all about low expectations here but uh this is a very special rebel radio recorded on site at the world premiere the los angeles bigger than the world the los angeles premiere of the stretch armstrong and bobito movie And my guests today are Stretch Armstrong and Bobito. If you don't know them, they were the hosts of the Stretch Armstrong and Bobito radio show throughout the 90s. And it was a a groundbreaking show. They're going to talk a little bit about that. And otherwise, you'll have to check the movie. I believe it's streaming on demand on Vimeo. Uh, But it was a groundbreaking show. They had freestyles and surprise guests every week the show ran in the middle of the night from a college radio station in new york and you know there was no internet back then so the way we found out about it on the west coast was people would would stay up late make cassette tapes and send them to friends all over the world and we used to get cassettes that you know somebody knew somebody that would make a tape of stretching bobito and um You know, you were hearing uh, a lot of times unsigned or rappers that just weren't big yet uh, from Jay-Z to Biggie to Big L to Cypress Hill to, you know, everybody that was anybody in hip hop at the time, at least on the East Coast, you know, went through there and tried to make their mark. The show was funny and quirky and they they did all kind of, you know, they just didn't take themselves too seriously. And because of that, they became legends. You've probably seen Bobito in Nike commercials. You know, he's gone on to be kind of an ambassador of of hip-hop and basketball and sneaker culture. Stretch Armstrong is still one of the most important DJs, uh, tastemakers that there's been. And so I'm really excited to talk to them and to get into a little bit about the film. This is a short episode. So if you don't have your usual hour to devote to spending time with Rebel Radio, you can get it in in uh, 20-something minutes. So we're going to get into the interview. Before we do, though, let's check out the EDM.com track of the week. Here we go.
1: Come on and ride with the Doin' whatever to get what you want Come on and ride with the player Come on and ride with the boss Come on and ride with the Living forever whatever the cost You roasted, coasted, faded, posted Doin' whatever to go through the motion Motion, motion Whatever to go through the mold, you roasted, toasted, dated, posted. Doing whatever to go through the motion, yeah. Yeah, doing whatever to go through the mold. If you ready for the fortune of fame, with a fortune of raising, count me in. Whipping around every cul de sac, wondering just what town we in. We bound to win. Counting kind of my cash by the thousand, I'm sipping my goose by the ghana. Cause my money used to be nowhere to spot Gotta be stacking the high as a mountain. Better ride with the click right now. Say down, said I better hit a pick right now. Got your biddy on my hip right now. Try to get a naughty on my dick right now. Like, wow, you ain't seen nothing like this
2: that was the track of the week from our friends over at edm.com this is not an edm track that was a hip-hop track if you didn't know that uh kind of to me had a little bit of a bone thugs feel that was from just juice kid out of boston the track is called amsterdam and now if you're listening on soundcloud or itunes leave us a comment a review Let us know what you thought of that track. Uh, if you're listening on Dash Radio, keep driving, don't take your hands off the 10 and 2. And uh, now we get into the interview with Stretch and Bobito. Thanks for doing this, I appreciate it. Florida. Thanks for having us. This How powerful is, is your mic? We don't have to go you know, like this. My mic's on no, fire, okay. fire, yeah. fire,
3: fire, fire, fire. <laughs> exactly, yeah, we, we I got the, the power mic.
4: The power. Of my- so wait.
2: So we're
3: gonna interview you. You.
2: Are, no. Are we I'm on? interviewing
3: you. No, no. We're gonna turn this around. You're Josh. I'm
2: Josh. And Stretch mentioned that you started Herb. No, I didn't start it. But I was I was there for a long time. I was an editor. I ran marketing. Oh, for Herb. I tell people you started it. I appreciate I just, that. I, just, I feel like it's, <laughs> it sounds better.
3: It sounds great. No, because Herb magazine in 1997 awarded us uh, best um, radio in the world by virtue of a reader survey. Yeah. And my label in the same survey won Best best Indie indie Label. Um, nice. I had my um, fondle in print. So, uh, so when he told me Herb, I was like, oh, word, all right, cool, we got to do this. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So we did a party together. It might have been that year. We came to New York. I think it was New Music Seminar. And there was a party, and it was the Stretch and Bobito show with our magazine. I forget where it was, but it was a thing when... Um, uh, all of a sudden, the cops were, like, cracking down on clubs, and they decided to check everybody's ID at the mm-hmm. door. I don't know if y'all remember that. I don't, but it was... It and, was like, weird. nobody got in. And we had, like, you guys <laughs> great, hooked great up party. the lineup. It was, like, Wu-Tang <laughs> was performing. I forget who else. Or somebody from Wu-Tang. Uh-huh. And, like, and, like, hundreds of people couldn't get in because nobody carries ID in New York, it turns ah, out. Ah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: You know, in L.A., we always carry ID because you have to drive. Sure. Um, Giuliani era. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the, uh, those are the uh, ancient cabaret
4: laws that, that That's he right. was enforcing.
2: That's right. Yeah. But hey, we're here to talk about the movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm excited to see it any minute now. Um, for those listening, we're recording live on site, and so there's noise in the background, and we're here in the dungeon. <laughs> but um, tell me why, you know, after you've been off radio for so long uh, and off doing other projects, why this movie now?
3: Well, um, our show started October 25th, 1990. And when we decided to make this film in 2014, there was an impetus to to complete production by October 2015. Ambitious. That's cool. Yeah, ambitious. ambitious. Um, (laughs) But we made it, you know, and uh, by the good graces of our Kickstarter backers and, you know, everybody uh, part of the uh, production team and, you know, just everybody who committed uh, to digging through their personal archives to, provide archival footage and photos, and you know, the film releases October 22nd, three days shy of our actual radio 25th nice. anniversary. Yeah. And um, we're in theaters uh, starting October 1st. And so it's a really joyous occasion. And you know, the other reason was that we knew that, you know, I'm an active DJ, such as an active DJ, that we could get some screenings, some premieres in, in cities and come and be present for Q and A's and really interact with the community Sure. Uh, the new one who didn't know who, who we were, and the ones who experienced it, mm-hmm. and you know w- would reminisce, and also be able to DJ, and and it's just engage. And so it's like the the illest like marketing plan that you could imagine, because you know we created this Cali tour. You know it's 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 us booking you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. these theaters with with yeah. uh, promote local promoters. Big up to Assad in LA, Footlong Development, who's instrumental in. in and make, really being like the point guard
2: to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And what are you hoping people are gonna take from the movie? <laughs> I, you know, Bob Bob directed it.
4: I co-produced it. Music, uh-huh. music supervised it. Um, so uh, I, I've played, uh, I would say, an integral an in, integral role, but still, nonetheless, more of a supportive role. Sure. Um, one of the things that that has been really interesting in this whole process is how even though Bob has tried to to make this our story, it's still through his lens. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating for me. So the the, the, the takeaways that I'm getting from it are incredible. I mean, I've I've learned so much about my own story um, and it's just, I'm really enjoying that um, in a way that maybe um, I wouldn't if I Directed it or co-directed it, so I'm I'm really I'm I'm very I'm just I'm psyched on on that level. Um, In terms of uh, what other people might take away from it, um, I mean there's there's so many there's so much. I mean there's there's our story. um, There's uh, um, we just did an interview just just now, and I was talking about how I I hope that uh, this film can reach beyond our core crowd, beyond the core hip-hop crowd, and Mm -hmm. reach. Reach an audience that might certainly know what hip hop is, because it's a global sure. commercial phenomenon. But it would be uh, amazing for people to, to really appreciate the the intelligence and dedication and and the craft of the artists and the music that we supported, which mm-hmm. is um, you know which is part of a, an era that is that is gone. It was a, you know almost a fleeting moment. Now, right. in hindsight, you know uh, you know between. You know, 85 and 95, and, and you know, a little bit on the other sides of mm-hmm. both those bookmarks. It was this magical time in, in music, which, if you're not an insider, you might not really appreciate in the way that I think this film might might enable you to.
3: Yeah. And I think you know, in a very simple way, we just want to entertain people. Like mm-hmm. a lot of documentaries are very serious. You, know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to laugh yeah. in this film. Yes. We're goofy. You know, this. We broke a lot of rules in filmmaking. Um, you know, as the director, you know, had took a lot of liber- liberty um, to just be quirky and mm-hmm. just to to deliver something that what people would expect from us because that's how our radio show was. But also, there's a lot of curveballs in the film that yeah. people won't ex- anticipate whatsoever. <laughs> so we we can't wait for everyone to see it worldwide.
2: That's cool. So talk about the the show for a minute, because you guys you know the show was was landmark you know a groundbreaking show for for hip hop culture and you know we learned about it through cassettes you know on the west coast and i know that got all over the world you okay, know the
4: the hood the hood internet <laughs> <laughs> not
2: the hood internet but the hood internet mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yes i actually know what you're i know what you're, you're referring to <laughs> 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 but um But but it also happened at a time when there was a lot of great DJs, especially in New York, playing hip hop on the radio, right? And you come from a a legacy, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, from from Red Alert to to Funk Flex. To you know, there there was good music happening at the time. Mm -hmm. What made your show different? I think uh, as on-air
3: personalities. We didn't try to be anybody but ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And we both came from a very different perspective. Uh, um, You know, in that I I attended Wesleyan University, a liberal arts college, which was at Columbia. Um, You know, he grew up on the Upper West Side on 96th Street. I grew up, I'm sorry, Upper East Side on 96th Street. I grew up on the Upper West Side on 97th Street. So, you know, this is these converging communities, you know, very multiracial, multicultural background. uh, colorblind if you will in, mm-hmm. in, in the presentation um, and I think ultimately the base was just to, to create a really good cassette that we could listen to the next day yeah. as, as innocent as it was yes. and so we didn't care if the artist was signed or unsigned or you know, platinum or whatever, we just invited the best artist and Stretch played the best music and I tried to find the best demos mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's how it, it, it that's how it got carved out. The right.
4: show was never a vehicle for any kind of ambition other than to make a great show. Mm-hmm. So we weren't, obviously we, we knew people at labels. When I met Bob, he was working at Def Jam. He was in the industry. We knew people in the industry. We, we befriended mm-hmm. people in the, in the industry. But it was never, um, we were never part of that That. That game. Right. We, um, and, and thankfully, Labels got that. Promoters got that. They didn't really pressure us. They were like, "Here are the records. Do what you're gonna do with them." Yeah. But it was never about, "Oh, we got the show. Let's leverage that into something else." It was the show was the end. Mm-hmm. That was what we wanted. Yeah. Just a, it an perfect. incredible listening experience, and um,
2: you know, week in week out for for many years. Yeah, yeah. So going back to the hood internet you know part of what made the show magical for those of us again not in new york is that you had to find it you had to you know you kind of had to know about it you had to dig for it absolutely digging so you know uh thinking about the way it is today with with the internet um you know how does that how does that change the discovery of stuff like that and could 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 something like your show happen today?
3: No, I absolutely don't think. And we've been asked this question time and time and time, this and is, time this again. Is the, this is the one um, common thread. <laughs> is that right? The, yeah, every yeah.
2: interview. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, I right, think, we'll, we'll just strike it then. Yeah. <laughs> no, you <laughs> want to be different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, um,
3: you know, I think uh, accessibility in hip hop uh, has been helpful, you know, in some ways, but in another way, it's not always a good thing. And yeah. the best hip hop.
4: Well, that's just hip hop music. Mm-hmm. Music in general.
3: Yeah, music in general, but I'm saying, it just, I mean, if you look at, like, the graffiti movement of the mm-hmm. 70s, I mean, it was at its best when the trains were inaccessible, right? and you right know, now. they took a lot of effort, uh, you know, the music was the best when it took the producers a lot of effort to find that rare one of 100 sample, right. you know, record, um, and it took a lot of effort to listen to us, you know, and tape it, and share the tape, and dub it, and you felt special there was a bond there mm-hmm. and uh, so with the accessibility it's, that changes the dynamic and so it, it can't happen again because unless the internet just dies and then we have to go backwards in right. and, 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 uh, and technology but sure so kill the internet basically
2: no
4: I mean and it's, a, it's been sorry. kind no I, th- a lot I, of people. I think listen it's you know first of all the question is is, is uh, it's about convenience um but at the end of the day, you know what what we did was we did all the hard, we did the heavy lifting for you. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, record shopping, going to record labels, and, and just sort of distilling everything that we could pull out of the ether tapes, demos, remixes, dub plates, uh, promos, going to the store to buy records that were distributed from regional, uh, you know, creators of music, whether it was in you know Texas or California, and we yeah. put it together into two tapes on a Thursday night right um, now you know I think it, it's it's really on the individual if they're really curious about searching they can because of the internet mm-hmm. and you can search the whole world um, but there's no you know there's no there, there, there are fewer I think very special places that you can go to where where you have that
2: kind of um, I don't know curation mm-hmm. and um, yeah and taste taste is taste is a huge part of it so I'm glad you say that. Uh, we had Mike B on the show a few weeks back. Yes. Uh, and um, B, Mike B. The Mike B. And uh, you know we always ask our guests about their mentors, and your name came out first, obviously, because uh, you you put, put him in the game. And you know I asked him what he what you taught him, what he learned from you, and he said, "I learned how to be a tastemaker." And um, and you know he said, "You guys were the ultimate tastemakers, uh, doing your thing," and so. How does that work, and, and how do you carry that over? How does that play out today for what you're doing?
4: Well, Bob has a radio station, <laughs> so yep. you can actually uh, take part in his in the expression of his taste via the internet. You want to say what that? What yeah,
3: that it's is? At, uh, coolboblove.com. It's spelled mm-hmm. with a K. Mm-hmm. So it's also on the In app. I got listeners in over two hundred countries, which is cool. Um, and okay. my taste. With a K. <laughs> my taste uh, back then and now consistent um, play a lot of world music, jazz, soul uh, funk some rare, some very well known but mm-hmm. always trying to uh, you know, find those, uh, those lanes of music that not everyone is, is listening to yeah. and help expose it yeah. I've, since,
4: since I actually really enjoyed getting off the radio in 2001 um, because it allowed me to, to do whatever I wanted to do um, in terms of playing other kinds of music I was I felt really pigeonholed mm-hmm. in the 90s because my musical tastes always were always more broad than what I did on the radio sure I just was doing a hip-hop show right. um, and I've had you know many love affairs with, with different genres that I've picked up some of them I've dropped some of them them I've, I've maintained a relationship with um, but but throughout all my sort of different, different phases, it's always been with the same ears. And mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. I just like what I like. And mm-hmm. I've never, I've never, you know, thought, oh, I, I shouldn't like that because people don't know me for that. Or, I'm, I'm, I mean, I was the guy playing, playing Led Zeppelin records in, at the tunnel in like 1994. Right. People were like, what the fuck is this guy doing?
2: So what excites you now, musically?
4: Um, that, that's a hard question to ask without looking at my my computer because it's <laughs> it's it's really all over the place and yeah. and you know, one week I might be you know listening to eighties hip hop or like you know going through, um, just scouring the internet for for rare roots reggae records or or. I mean, it's just—it's all over the place, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and that's you know that's that's one of the that's one of the joys of, of having an, an open mind and right. and and that's and that's what the fuck is going on right here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, I know you you kind of took uh, your influence into other areas, and I think in some ways we we're, we're responsible for helping spread hip hop culture beyond music right, into sneakers, into sports, and, you know, bringing that, uh, you know, I think from day one, we've always said hip hop is a, it's a lifestyle, it's an attitude, it's, you know, goes way beyond music, but, but you really brought that to life in a lot of ways. Um, now, you know, I think when we look at, at culture, we just see hip hop's influence on pop culture on a worldwide scale, but it feels very different than uh, when it was kind of its own little subculture. Does yeah that make sense so you brought that that sort of hip-hop voice into the shoe game into mm-hmm. into sports right that wasn't necessarily there uh and you're still involved in those things right so I guess what I'm asking is has your perspective changed now that it's not like uh this foreign concept to have kind of a hip-hop attitude about basketball or whatever yeah,
3: yeah. um I you know let me say this. I mean, when it comes to playground basketball, I mean, it it's actually influenced hip hop more than hip hop has influenced it. Yeah. So it's it's uh, you know, when it comes to sneakers, for example, like all the the best basketball sneakers became iconic hip hop staples. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the superstar before hip hop, mm-hmm. sure. You know, decided like, oh, this is a cool sneaker. The basketball community was wearing it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like, you know, just baggy shorts and that whole look, that's basketball aesthetic before it was hip hop as well. Um, and uh, so, I mean, you know, I am who I am. I mean, I'm born in 1966, grateful for that. Experienced a lot of different decades, a lot of culture, I've traveled to 39 countries, six continents at this point. You know, I'm grateful for what me and Stretch presented in the 90s as, as that opened up a door to a lot of uh, things. Um, you know, I did forty Nike commercials in the in the nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Part of that was, you know, I was that voice in New York for the hip hop community, and they wanted to 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 lend that to what they were doing with their marketing for basketball, and, and it worked. Yeah. Um, so I benefited in a lot of ways. Uh, so, but at the same time, you know, my hip hop personality doesn't completely define me. You know, um, so it's weird to me. Like when people come to Henry Play and I'm playing Omar and Elements of Life and you uh, know, uh, I don't know, whoever uh, Bronx River Parkway, and you know, people are like, oh, you know, you like this now, and I'm like, no, I like this back then too. And I was playing this stuff back then in the 90s as well, but yeah. I just got known for hip-hop, but that's never been the, the only side of me. So. Mm-hmm. Ditto.
2: Nice.
3: nice. Poli- poli- K- Politics politic ditto. ditto. <laughs> I
2: mean, okay, well, I know we're almost out of time. We gotta get to see this movie. Great. Um, so, you know, Rebel Radio, our show is really about entrepreneurship in, in DJ culture, in, in hip-hop, and in, in the underground culture period. And so, uh, you know, when we do the full length interview, we get really into that and how you build your career out of doing what you love. Mm-hmm. But, um, but maybe you could just kind of tell us, how have you guys made the partnership work? I mean, you, you essentially have had a business that's lasted decades yeah. like, with some breaks, but um, how does that work? Well,
3: hmm. um, I'll just speak on that because this is my second film. My first one was doing in the park, Pick Up Basketball NYC, which was co-directed by Kevin Coolio. Yep. Um, and that was a DIY project to the fullest. Um, you know, backpacks with basketballs, release forms, mm-hmm. and cameras going 180 courts. Wow. And that experience showed me that, you know, I don't need Sony Picture Classics or Magnolia Focus, all these phenomenal uh, companies that I, I love their, their releases to do a film. And um, Omar Acosta, who's our producer on this project, approached me after seeing him doing the park, and was like, yo, you should do a film about your this radio show. Hit him up, he loved the idea, was enthusiastic, like to the point, like I was ecstatic at his reaction and knew that we could milk that enthusiasm for a year and a half to make the film. Um, but this film, just like my first one, is you know, a product of supreme entrepreneurial endeavor and that, you know, Stretch, is, Stretch and I, Omar, and one other party are the owners of the film. We yeah. own the copyright to the film. And yeah. we're also like, you know, raise funds through Kickstarter blessing and, you know, put up our own hard cash. And, you know, we're booking the, the theaters and, you know, our relationships amongst the four of us are creating, you know, a Vimeo on-demand exclusive digital release October 22nd um, oh, cool. you know our relationships are creating press interviews and you know so we're using uh, our entrepreneurial mind and our marketing experience uh, to the fullest uh, to make this film pop worldwide
4: although interestingly Bob and I have a very limited entrepreneurialship relationship in the 90s we did the radio together mm-hmm. but outside of the radio we did very different things sure um and but somehow this 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 project has just really really worked. I mean, we are very different people, but I think in some ways, um, it works like that. I mean we sort of the the, the love and, the, and the, the joy that we we experience together as friends vis a vis the music, but just as as friends is um, hasn't diminished over the years so. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that that we can do good business together but, <laughs> right. um, but we're killing killin it but it's just been it's uh, just everything killed, is though. is clicking yeah. lovely it's been ridiculous
2: yeah that's dope. Awesome. So yeah. thank you bro yeah thanks man I uh-huh. appreciate it uh-huh. thank you cool. next time you're in la come back do the full show yeah absolutely We'd love to have you cool
1: yeah All right. thanks come on ride with the player. come on that ride with the boss come on that ride with the
2: Yo, I hope you liked that That was short and sweet We were sweating our asses off In a little brick room In the back of the Region Theater Downtown Los Angeles Shout out to Stretch and Bobito For making time for that I appreciate it Shout out, shout out yourself for listening And uh, next week I think we'll have a full length episode I don't know Maybe it'll be in nine minutes We're going to try to shrink it down as fast as we can but tune in next week. Leave us a comment. Hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. And go see the Stretch and Bobito movie. Watch it on Vimeo. Tell us what you thought about it. Peace.